This is The Dog and Bone. Welcome to The Dog and Bone, a series of podcasts brought to you by Propeller Group, the specialist agency that builds profile and helps grow business for companies in media, marketing, retail and technology. I'm Martin Lote, founder of Propeller and curator of The Dog and Bone. In each episode, we invite business leaders with something to say into our kennel for a chat, and we ask them to dig up something a bit tasty for us to chew on. In this special edition of the podcast, we'll be looking at the issue of diversity and inclusion. And I'm pleased to welcome back as our guest presenter, Dorcas Matombi. She was on The Dog and Bone last year with Ali Owen, the founder of the Brixton Finishing School, an award-winning social mobility project that helps young people from minority backgrounds get jobs in media and advertising. Huge global shifts such as Black Lives Matter and the coronavirus pandemic have of course changed the world of work, including the creative and agency sectors. But how are these affecting diversity and inclusion in the workplace? To find out, I've invited Dorcas back onto the podcast to examine the issue with her guests. Now, Dorcas is a recent politics and international relations graduate who went through the Brixton Finishing School last year. She'll be soon starting her first full-time agency job. So Dorcas, welcome back to The Dog and Bone and over to you. Thank you, Martin, for having me on here and allowing me to bring my uh, lovely, lovely guests here. Um, if you guys don't mind introducing yourself, we'll start with Ben, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi, lovely to be here. Uh, ben, I'm currently um, director at Mother London and non-exec director at Brixton Finishing School. Lovely. And Justin, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, Dorcas. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Justin Thomas Copen. Um, and I am the uh, president and chief executive officer of DDB North America. Pleased to be on the, on the in the discussion with you. Lovely, pleased to have you. And last but absolutely not least, Kieran, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Thanks, Dorcas. Hi, everyone. I'm Kieran Kent. I'm managing director of Propeller, and we run this Dog and Bone podcast. But we specialise in providing PR content and business development services to companies in the media, advertising, and technology sectors. Good to be here today. So as Martin um, introduced um, to us, um, the last time I was on the Dog and Bone uh, podcast, we spoke a bit about diversity in um, the advertising industry, which um, you all have experience in. Um, so we brought you here today to talk about um, what the industry can do better um, as industry leaders and um, what you feel that your businesses can individually um, contribute in um, the progression towards um, building a more diverse industry. So I'm just going to just Dive straight, straight in and ask, um, what does diversity mean to you personally? And then what role do you feel it plays in your business? Kieran, if you want to kick it off. I think diversity for me is embracing people from all different backgrounds and all walks of life and actually being very curious and keen to learn and engaging with them, being supportive of them as they go through the industry and accepting the fact that as individuals within the industry, we're going to be a better industry and better organizations if our workforce is more diverse it's you know i think it's proven in studies that we've all seen across the industry that if you've got a very diverse workforce then the output of your work is going to be better you're going to be more creative and i think also as a in, in terms of your internal culture within the business if you've got a more diverse team that you're working with day to day i think it just creates a much more dynamic exciting environment for, for employees to be part of but it, you know it's, it's proven in in terms of industry stats around diversity and what it can do to really grow a business that's fantastic to hear um and i look forward to hearing um, more about your future plans on that as well um justin what are your thoughts what does diversity mean to you personally and um as a businessman first of all diversity is 
um, it's about different perspectives. For me, it's about representing and fighting for, and more importantly, embracing um, different perspectives in the business, um, whether it's you know your ethnicity, um, your sexuality, um, your social class, um, definitely your color. Um, you know, it, it just is about, for me, diversity is about embracing everyone. Um, I'm really having that represented in the business. So not just inside the business, but a representation, an active representation. I think um, diversity is, you know, it's the richness that you cultivate in an organization as well. Um, and it's also, I think, uh, reflective of your culture, of being open-spirited and open-minded. Um, and I think, you know, the point was just made in terms of the energy that it gives a company. I think those companies that are diverse, I mean, there are studies that show, um, you know, increases in um, business uh, profitability and business outlook, but also it's about how people feel um, in those environments where the energy is just up, the inspiration um, is high up in the top right-hand quadrant um, because there's just a lot to learn from, a lot to contribute to um, and a lot to grow from. So I think diversity for me, represents um, all of those advantages and I think they're business advantages um, as well as you know the types of place um, or places rather that, that people want to work in and people want to spend whether it's 50% of their life um, or whatever they want to spend them in environments where uh, there is that richness and so I think diversity should be about that richness and that's what it represents for me. I think that's, that's spot on, same, um, same what Kieran said. I mean, um, I think businesses are definitely understanding the importance of diversity, um, not just from a moral standpoint, but also as a business case. Um, and I think it's, it's right now extremely exciting times to talk about it, especially obviously the, mm -hmm. the social um, political state that we're in right now, especially the, the prominence of the Black Lives Matter marches and what and the protests and what the types of conversations that's brought about, especially um, not just the, the conversation about like racism, for example, in the UK um, in the US, but then in the UK as well. And um, so I think it's a very, very interesting time to know that you guys feel so strongly about it and um, are implementing that in your businesses as well. Um, although I'm going to dig a little bit deeper and ask, um, starting with you, Kieran, if that's okay, how diverse is um, your company? How diverse would you say Propeller is? And yeah, not not as diverse as we'd like it to be is the is the honest answer, and that's why we're we're trying to do something about that. I think depends on your definition of diversity and which element you're looking at. I think in terms of a, a male-female ratio within our business, we've always had a very strong balanced males to females across the whole business, across different levels of, of, of the organisation, uh, right from entry level right through to senior levels within the business. So uh, we're, we're well balanced in that regard. Uh, I think when you look at the LGBTQ community, for example, again, over the years at Propeller, we've had a number of, uh, of our, our employees that have been uh, from that community. And that's something that's probably happened fairly organically within Propeller. It's not something that we've We've really sought out as a specific policy so that's that that's good in, in effect because that's what we want to be the case in the industry we don't want to have to sort of go out of our way to hire someone that ticks a certain box you know it should in an ideal world be happening organically but obviously the facts of the matter are at the moment that it doesn't so we do need to put some different policies in place and when we come to talk about ethnicity specifically that's where we do have work to do within propeller we are a predominantly white organization at the moment and we want to change that when it comes to improving our BAME representation within Propeller, that's something which is a priority for the business over the next 12 months. And actually, we've just put in place some new policies and pledges in that area. We'd like to be bringing people in across all levels of the business, but the 
the, the reality is that for the next 12 months, we're probably going to be focusing on entry level positions because that's where we have the vacancies at the moment. So what we're doing is committing to bringing in four BAME uh, interns, so paid internships that we will uh, make open to, uh, to BAME individuals. And we're also committing to a further six work experience placements. So that's 10 people over the next 12 months will be coming into Propeller from BAME backgrounds. Now, that'll be a first step for us. You know, it's building blocks. It's not the ideal solution for us. We'd like the whole business across all levels to be uh, more, more diverse, but it's a starting point. And obviously what the George Floyd case has shone a spotlight on this year, and obviously it was horrific to watch it. And I think everyone was in a state of shock seeing those horrific scenes, but it has made everyone take stock of where we are within society and certainly within business. And are we all doing enough? And it is obviously is on the leaders within organizations to put the right policies in place and, and change their own organizations so that there is more of a diverse representation within their own team. But they're the first steps that we're starting to make in terms of a, a, a more of a focused activity and effort to improve our overall diversity within the agency. Halfway through, I was already getting ready to pounce and ask um, when you said you can't recruit like uh, BAME or different um, different diverse backgrounds um, organically, I was going to ask you, so what exactly are you going to do? But it's fantastic to hear that you have the um, opportunities available in internships and work experiences and obviously in um, collaboration with Brixton Finishing School as well, which I believe has helped quite a few agencies um, recruit from um, a diverse pool of talent as well. So that's fantastic to hear. Ben, as we're on the topic of recruitment, and that's such a key part um, of bringing diverse talent into a business and working in recruitment as a head of recruitment yourself, how do you navigate and um, bringing um, diversity into your company? I think there's, there's never been an easier time to bring in diverse talent. I know that sounds sometimes that that's not the case but it, it does really seem the case there is so many partners to work with and the actual talent acquisition i, I don't feel is is the problem mm. um it's it's this whole point of creating this space safe enough for everyone to exist so kieran you're going to bring in uh four interns which is incredible but it's the whole how do we look at everything we're doing right now to make sure everyone that we hire is a success. So it's all of these systematic problems that we that we look into. It's almost like a whole company audit. Everything that we've ever done up until now has got some issues because we haven't managed to keep senior people from uh, we haven't managed to keep people from underrepresented groups at our in our industry long enough. There's something happening that people are leaving, uh, and that's because maybe they don't see enough people that look like them, they don't hear enough things, they just don't feel that they belong. There's practices like the simple thing of promotion and appraisals and reviews, that, that manager relationship. Every little nuance of that might have some things going wrong with it, might have some biases in there, might be an issue why people might leave. The things that we do socially, we always go out drinking, we always celebrate successes with a, with a pub, whilst recruitment is absolutely the sharp edge and should be accountable and should be bringing people in. If, you're, if, you're in, if your organisation isn't set up for it, then there's a real danger that you bring people in, it doesn't work, and then the whole problem gets even worse. So it's all of those things. It's making sure your organisation, your, your systematic practices are, are tight, you're looking through it. These things, are, these things will never be complete. They're always going to be in transition. They're always going to be up for change. So it's that as the foundation, then it's your partners, and then it's the understanding of 
you know, you have the whole world to hire from at Mother. We're very lucky. I can look at everywhere in the world to bring in the best possible people to make the best possible work. I appreciate that you touched on um, the, the culture and the environment that you welcome people into because um, when we speak about diversity and inclusion, I, I feel people lump them in as if they mean the same thing and I, I explicitly feel that they don't um, because diversity and inclusion are just as different as recruitment and retention and you've touched on that. I'm going to come back to that because that's a, that's a big thing that I want to um, speak about as well. Justin, as someone in a very, very senior role, how do you view, first of all, the diversity in your company, for example? Mm -hmm. From my perspective, I talk more in terms of the industry. I've been very blessed to have worked around the world in, you know, from Russia to the Nordics, um, to Southern Europe, to Latin America, lived in New York, going back to New York, you know, um, Paris, etc. I've seen, um, you know, and I've worked in different contexts. Uh, and I've seen it from sort of the ground up as an account exec all the way up now to a region, regional CEO. Um, and it doesn't really change. Um, and what I mean by that is we've got some systemic challenges in our industry, right, um, that are still as prevalent today as they were when I was a 10-year-old going into my mum's agency and seeing how my mother was treated as a black woman working mother, right, um, in advertising in the, you know, early, well, the 80s and the early 90s. Um, you know, some of the challenges we have, like just having an industry that is perceived to be open to people of different, um, you know, races, genders, um, different minority groups, etc. Uh, the industry isn't always perceived as being an open door industry. It's not perceived as being one that is embracing. Um, I think there is definitely a job still need to be done there. Um, I can tell you the amount of times I've had friends say to me, yeah, I don't know how you can, you know, work in that environment, right? It's just oppressive. Or, uh, you know, when, you know, how long did you work? Someone asked me this question the other day. How long did you work before you were in a meeting with another black person? And I, I, I thought about it and it was like, I don't know, six, seven years, right? Um, that's a long time, right? That's a long time. Um, it doesn't mean there weren't black people in the company, but me actually working with someone on a project for a client was like a number of years. Um, and so what that tells me, um, and especially when I talk to a lot of young people who I mentor today, um, the industry has got a perception problem still. It's just not seen as being as open as maybe it thinks it is, right? Um, and again, I think all of the things that many agencies and holding companies are doing and independent agencies are, are really, you know, needed uh, and applaud, you know, commendable. And we should applaud those things, those initiatives, but there's more to be done. You need to understand people's you know, background and how they've been raised and their ideology and philosophy, because it can really contribute to the workplace. Um, I think there's also just this feeling of diversity. Yes, we can be represented, but we've got to be at the heart of the business. We've got to be on the biggest briefs. We've got to be in the biggest projects, part of that team. Our voice has got to be called upon. Um, you know, those are things that should just happen. Um, so you can be in the room, but you'll never talk. Um, or you could be in the room, but you never feel like you're, you're, you're dreading someone asking you your opinion because you don't feel like you should be in the room. You know, they call this imposter syndrome, right? Um, but I know that's real for a lot of people. Um, and especially when you're, you get to sort of middle levels and you want to push up, you, you have to fight that, right? But who's, who, who can you trust in, a, in sort of our industry to have that conversation? Say, look, I'm struggling with this thing. I want to go further. but you know, I get in these meetings and I'm petrified, right? 
you know, that, that's a big thing. And so I think there is a need for just more outreach when you have people inside the organization. You know, Ben said it very eloquently. There's a challenge of keeping people because you get to those mid-levels, you look at the C-suite and you make a call and you say, you know what? I just don't think I'm going to thrive there. It's going to feel right, um, whatever it may be. And I know a lot of people that are leaving the industry when they get to sort of a very successful mid-level role, they leave because they just don't think they want to go through the pain of being in the C-suite just to be in the C-suite. Um, they think the pain is going to be too much. So the industry has got a lot of work to do. Um, but I do, uh, as I said before, I do applaud um, the initiatives that are underway. I applaud the open spiritedness that's now um, in the boardrooms across all of the industries. I've got friends across all holding companies. There is a real openness there. There's a real commitment to change. Um, and I think we as black people, Asian people, minorities, we need to get behind that change. Um, it's too easy to be on the sidelines, you know, giving your perspective. Um, you've got to be part of the change. You know, I'm 26 years in the industry. Um, it may be, you know, I've done 25, six years before George Floyd, right? So this level of openness, I've never known it in the industry. I think it's great, but, you know, I've had 26 years where I didn't have that. So maybe it could have been different, but, you know, let's look forward. But I definitely want someone like myself, I hold myself accountable to help the next generation so that they can, you know, retain this openness. They can retain their voice, cultivate their voice and cultivate their confidence. And I think that's what the ad industry will really go from strength to strength if it allows itself to be open enough to do that. I'd also add to that, though, I think you know, there's, there's obviously a desire for change within organisations at, at senior levels now. I do, I do believe that to be the case, but there's also external expectation, I think, increasingly. You know, clients that we're going to be working with in the future, if you're pitching for new business, I think they're going to be asking some serious questions about the makeup of the team that will be working on their accounts, how diverse is the business in general. I think in terms of you know, employee groups across any business now, from the most junior employees right through to senior level, there are some serious discussions going on about how can we really make a step change. You know, it's, it's clear now, I think there's, there's a, enough is enough. You know, there's, there's, the progress hasn't been quick enough. And it's, it's still quite alarming when you look at some of the studies coming out in terms of diversity stats across the industry. You know, the progress is still not quick enough, but I think there is real momentum building this time. And I think so many companies are trying to genuinely make a positive change that, you know, that should be here for, for the long term, which can only be good for the health of the industry. You're listening to the Dog and Bone podcast from Propeller Group. If you're enjoying it, please share the link with your network. Subscribe on iTunes or your normal podcast provider. And if you're feeling really inspired, please write a review to help us zoom up the charts. Now, back to the conversation. We both touched on um, the momentum, and I think where we are right now, and if there's anything that's positive that's come out of this pandemic and the um, issue with George Floyd, is that what was once a very, very taboo subject, um, and I think the the main thing that's problematic about it being a taboo subject is that it allowed a lot of nonsense to be swept under the rug, such as lack of diversity. So if you're not even allowed to talk about race or talk about sexuality in the in the workplace, how do you even address the fact that there's a lack of that representation in there? So the fact that the conversation is now, the door's been kicked wide open, the conversation started, com some companies have no choice but to address it, um, which I think you're absolutely right. 
And I, I feel that, you know, everyone's kind of touching on the, the atmosphere a bit. So I'm going to dive straight into um, the inclusion part, which I feel diversity is such a, a, a hot keyword and companies, you know, like Kieran said, um, businesses will approach you and ask you how diverse your company and diverse, diverse, diverse. That's wonderful. Okay, you've, you've hired this black person here. You've hired this, this Asian person here. That's lovely and dandy. But then when you hire them, what culture are you hiring them into? What environment are you bringing them into? Um, yeah, um, it was actually touched on upon a, a bit earlier kind of um, you know in the UK I don't think I don't know if people will realize that England has quite the drinking culture you know pub culture um, and after work drinks and all the rest of it I was someone that didn't drink for ages so <laughs> um, when everyone does the whole after work drinks how do you socialize in a, in a place that's you know not kind of where you frequent in your own time but that's kind of the only type of social, socialization that's you know considered quite common Justin I'm going to ask you first in your experience, did you have moments where you felt, okay, you've entered this industry, but, and they hired you, cool, they've done that step towards diversity, but there's, if they're just kind of not keeping you there, it's not that type of environment that you want to stay and you feel uncomfortable as a black man or as a man from a particular background. Did you have any experiences like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at my CV for the first, I think 10 years of my CV, um, I moved every two years and that was a deliberate decision. Um, I didn't want to get too comfortable personally. I wanted to keep growing. I wanted to test myself and put myself in uncomfortable situations. I new agency, new people. Um, I wanted to force myself to get good at that, to get good at change. Um, but I also felt like two years is probably enough. <laughs> I don't want to outstay my welcome, um, rightly or wrongly. And I'm not saying that the companies I worked for, you know, were bad companies. They weren't. Some of them were the best companies I've ever worked for, to be honest. Um, but what I would say is that it was more of a reflection of how I felt. Um, I felt like I had to keep it moving, as we say. I felt like I had to just, um, you know, I couldn't get comfortable. Um, you know, I had to keep learning, keep growing, and then move. Um, and that was definitely a theme for the first 10 years of my career. Um, and I was pretty relentless in that. Um, you know, and, and I think there have been so many moments where I've, I think people have, I don't, I don't want to say deliberately, but they've made me feel like, or question like, man, they're, they're really not feeling me. Like, they're just really not feeling me. I'm talking about, you know, I, I ran an agency and the press came to, to visit me. And um, there were two reporters came from the leading publication of that market. Um, and they said, yes, we're here to see uh, Justin Thomas Copeland and sort of look behind me um, as I was standing in front of them with my hand out to shake their hands, um, you know, uh, that was, you know, I'm, I'm running an agency at that point. Um, it was over a decade ago, but regardless, you know, those are th moments I've had. I've had even worse moments with clients and, you know, are you, are you support staff <laughs> now presenting to you? Those situations, and I'm not saying that anyone who did those things did anything other than make a genuine mistake from their perspective, but how it lands is really what matters. I think having someone in the organization that looked like me who I could feel like I could trust to share um, would have been a great help. Now, my mother, as I said, was in advertising for 30 years. She worked in some of the leading agencies in London. So I was able to talk to my mum. I mean, my mum would come home and I remember she'd come home and say, I had the meeting with, and I won't say the, the, a paper, right? One of the newspapers. And there was a black person there. And we just were like, we were celebrating invisibly, right? So I remember her coming home and telling me stories like that. Um, you know, when I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, teenage years. Um, so I always had my mother as someone I could go to who understood um, what I could have gone through and what I could be feeling. Um, but 
you know, I didn't have anyone in the organization. What, what, what would have helped is, you know, uh, someone to, you know, to kind of reach down and, and just talk to me as, you know, not, not so much as young black Justin, but just, you know, someone who's young and learning the industry um, and just more of a human connection. Um, you know, there's much more humanity in our industry than there was when I started. When I started, it was all about do the best work, get the awards. You know what I mean? It was like a real hard sort of, um, I wouldn't say cold, but it was a hard culture to, to feel like you're a part of. Um, I think there's more humanity. I think that would have helped, just more humanity at the time. Um, you know, but I, I think these are things now that are being addressed in the industry. And I, as I said, I applaud those things because I think they'll make a massive difference. And Kieran, I'd ask Justin what he would have appreciated in terms of um, promoting inclusion for his experience um, as a minority in a company where he was feeling like he didn't belong. Now you will be actively recruiting diverse talent um, into Propeller. You're going to have 10, um, 10 new recruits, work experience and interns that are from backgrounds that may not necessarily assimilate with the demographic you already have in, um, existing right now. How would you feel to be ready to kind of, you know, tackle what issues they may possibly encounter or face once they join the propeller group. Yeah, I mean, it's about listening to them and, and dealing with them on a on a one-to-one -one basis. I think any good leadership within uh, any organisation is about engaging with your employee base. And if you hire new recruits, you've got to listen to them, engage with them on a one-to-one -one basis and try and create the environment that enables them to thrive. So I think, you know, it's all about diving into the culture of the people that you're hiring listening and understanding their backgrounds and then understanding how you can actually create the culture within the business that things evolve. So as was discussed on the, on the earlier conversation, I think the culture of an agency today isn't necessarily the culture of the agency in 12 months time as you start to hire more diverse people. Of course, you've, you've got to evolve and you've got to listen, you've got to adapt. So it's about listening and engaging with them on a one-to-one -one basis and then trying to put some plans into action based on the conversations that you're you're having with those new hires. And I, I would personally consider it my duty effectively to, to engage with them on a one-to-one -one basis. But I'd also obviously be uh, relying on the senior team around me to also do that. It's about making them feel as comfortable as possible and as safe as possible. And the point was also made earlier. There's a lot of people within business that have got questions and are keen to learn more, don't always know how to ask the question. Maybe they're a bit embarrassed about asking it. They're not quite sure how to, how to phrase the, the question to them. So creating those safe environments where, again, people across all areas of the business can actually ask open and honest questions so that we can all learn and grow together. That's ultimately the culture that we want within Propeller. No, 100%. Um, I'm, I'm going to push just a, just a little bit harder. Does the environment seem like it would be welcoming to those questions? Does that make sense? So it's... Um, like when Justin explained it, it'd be, it's about who you kind of feel comfortable talking about um, things too. So for example, if I'm a young recruit, I'm a, I'm a woman, you're male, do I feel like you would understand if I brought my female issues to you? Or mm. would you understand if I brought um, race-related issues to you? I think you try and deal with that through how you conduct yourself day to day. And I'd like to consider myself a leader that's approachable, will listen to the feedback from their team. And if I don't hear something firsthand, then I'll, I'll hear it either via one of my colleagues in the in the leadership team or it, or it could be a, a new member of the team that's passing on something via the HR department for example but it's about getting issues surfaced and also making sure that anyone in the company in the company feels safe to to raise an issue I mean we just ran for example uh, last month an LGBTQ session um, which anyone in the company was invited to attend 
that was actually initiated by LGBTQ representatives within our within our agency. It wasn't something that, that we said, right, you you tick that box, you've got to put on a session for the company. They wanted to do it, but we gave them the environment where they could talk openly. And as I said, that was very useful for the wider members of the team as well. Ben, I'm just going to switch over to you um, because you did touch on a couple of times, like you understand obviously the reality when it comes to recruitment that um, you're recruiting these people and you're taking the steps um, to promote a more diverse workforce, but people are leaving. Um, so in that sense, what does inclusion mean for you? What, it, what does it look like for you in a business sense? Yeah, what I found that the biggest thing that, that we found with inclusion um, and how it's a huge part is that actually it's all, if we've learned anything through the, through the Black Lives Matter uh, movement is that we don't know as much as we thought we did. Part of inclusion is that actually it's not your job as a black exec, as a black member. It's not your job to tell us how to make this better for you. It's our job to learn and to and to have this better cultural awareness. So the so the idea is around inclusion is to absolutely educate people to to be their best selves. Essentially, if I'm trying to create this safe environment, like we touched on at the start, if I want to make sure that that everything is looked at. It means I need everyone to feel safe and that they feel welcome and that they belong. That is the, that is the foundation. That's the platform. And by doing that, I can, I can have all of my L and D really focused around cultural awareness, around, you know, resilience, around learning more about race uh, by having like incredible key speakers, incredible workshops, by having things like bricks and finishing school and these other entities provide more of that learning. In creating the safe space and, and educating better um, around how to be more uh, aware about your emotional intelligence, your social intelligence, it's basically equipping you to have, to be comfortable, to have these uncomfortable conversations. You know, you often get that analogy of diversity, inclusion, diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. I think if you build on that and you say, okay, so the party is the, the party at my agency and the, the people that doing the house party are the owners the founders and so when you get invited to this party you're nervous right you don't know anyone there so the moment i start introducing to the person's house is you go okay cool i know you went to the house brilliant i feel a bit more comfortable i introduce you to friends you go okay cool i'm, I'm getting into it someone might ask you to dance brilliant I, I really feel like i'm enjoying it but then it's like imagine the dj plays a a, a really like offensive song to you and you think oh do i feel comfortable enough to go up to the DJ to tell him that that song isn't appropriate. And, and you might feel comfortable enough because you, you know each other now, you know enough people. But what would be a brilliant atmosphere is if someone else at that party heard that song and called it out immediately. That is like this perfect thing where it's not up to you, we're all aware of it. And so every one of us has got this responsibility then to call out that song. And do you see what I mean? It's all these little things and then the next party you have and the next thing you do is, is, is getting better and it's something that you want to come to. Um, yeah. And that's the kind of thing that we're aiming with in this kind of making us feel as safe as possible. It sounds like a bit of a cheesy HRE thing, but actually safety is information and it's, and it's all these other things um, that help us in, in feeling that we belong. Uh, and that's our kind of strategy around um, inclusion. 
Yeah, I absolutely love the party analogy. I think that 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 hit the nail on the head here. Um, unfortunately, I think um, we're definitely definitely out of time. Um, I had so many more questions for you guys, but um, we do have to wrap it up now. And I just want to say first of all, thank you, Ben. Thank you so much for your your insight, um, especially from your perspective, from a recruitment perspective. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining us and giving us um, your perspective as well, especially as a leader um, of seniority and of um, as a black man and Kieran, thank you very, very much. Your enthusiasm and for your action points for Propeller. I look forward to seeing your 10 new <laughs> diverse recruits. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks very much, Dorcas. Thanks, Dorcas. Great job. Thank you so much. It's a great conversation. Well, we have to leave it there. Thanks to our wonderful guest interviewer, Dorcas Matombi, for pulling this episode together and questioning her panel. They were Justin Thomas Copeland, CEO, DDB North America, which is part of Omnicom, Kieran Kent, Managing Director at Propeller Group, and Ben Major, Recruitment Director at ad agency Mother London. Just a reminder that Propeller Group is supporting the Brixton Finishing School campaign to start an online course to help young people from minority backgrounds get a foothold in the industry. Please take part by entering a team in our fun competition, the 31 Challenge, which you can find out about on the propellergroup.com website or search hashtag 31challenge on social media. So until the next dog and bone, goodbye and thanks for listening.